Dale and Mom Adventures, and welcome to the Audio Armory, an exploration of weaponry through the ages. I am your local bard, Emily Cardamus. And I'm your local blacksmith, Liz Belts. Liz, I've been really, you know what, it's been really stressful lately for, I'm sure, a lot of people. Um, I've been stressed. You've, I'm not going to speak for you, but you've been stressed. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of ways to deal with stress. This is true. <laughs> Such as this week's topic. <laughs> yeah. I'm so tired, Liz. <laughs> I know. Oh god. Uh, Quietly weeps into the microphone for the next twenty minutes. Uh, hey Liz. Tell me about Tai Chi. Alright. Let's talk about Tai Chi. Though there are a few different types of swords that are used for Tai Chi. Most commonly used sword is known as the Jane. Jane? Jane. I don't know how you speak Chinese. I don't... I... Jane? Jane? Well, you speak Jane. Chinese the way normal people speak. That's how you speak Chinese. Look. But you don't... What you want to say don't is how need to speak your Chinese. <laughs> don't need your sass. I love sass. you, Liz. <laughs> don't need your sass. Ugh. Okay, so... So the either Jane or Hyene. Tell me about that. <laughs> how are we pronounce? Tell me about for, tell me about this sword. For our wonderful listeners, how it's spelled is J A I N. So you pronounce it how you think you should pronounce it, because we don't know. I, we have spent. I've I've just cut a huge chunk of time. We have just spent five minutes attempting to find the right pronunciation, and we have found, like, three different pronunciations. So we're yeah, just so gonna call it a straight sword. Yes. There we go. I'm probably just gonna keep calling it Jane, though. Okay. As in Jane of the Jungle, which I watched Tarzan this weekend, so that's probably why that came Okay, okay. This sword was a double-edged straight sword, uh, originally from, originating from China, and was used as early as the 7th century BCE for meditation. Um, several styles of this specific blade existed. There was a one-handed version, which is one and a half to two and a half feet long. The most used one was ac is actually a little over two feet in length and is only one and a half pounds, typically. Oh, okay. So that's really light. Yeah. So it allows you to move more freely with it. And we'll we'll kind of get more in depth with this, the actual style mm -hmm. that's used with, well, the most popular style that's used with uh, these straight swords. Um, and there was also a larger two-handed version, um, and that was primarily used for training. So, again, because this started early BCE, mm -hmm. late BCE, it started early. Early BCE. <laughs> Well, late BC because early BCE, BCE would be like early thousands. would be bigger numbers. Yes, yes. <laughs> so essentially, this was used to kind of uh, acclimate yourself to using a, a more legit sword for mm -hmm. battle. It's I like, suppose it's like using it's like using a training bat. It's like. It's heavier and it's more cumbersome. So then, by the time you have you're like batting normally in baseball, it's easier because you've been using this big, heavy, cumbersome thing. Correct. 
So that's essentially what the two-handed swords were used for. Okay. Um, historically, this sword is one of China's most major weapons. The other weapons were uh, a staff, a spear, and then a saber. So this sword, this straight sword in particular that's now used for Tai Chi, mm-hmm. was a primary weapon. I love how you China. spelled saber here. You spelled it S-A-B-R-E. It's like... Sabre. <laughs> Sabre. <laughs> Sabre. Sombra. <laughs> no! <laughs> How did we get into this? I don't know. But like most swords, it has a hilt to protect your hand. Uh, it either really curled up or curled down. It was kind of... Uh, if you ever look into traditional Chinese art, there's a very stylistic way of making waves, especially in woodblock prints. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a little squirrel tail curly cue. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what they looked like 98% of the time. Okay. I can um, I can picture that. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, look up block prints. Yeah. They're, they're pretty easy. That's what Google's I mean. for. Or your local oracle, if we're still throwing with, if we're still playing yeah, with the like, go, go talk weird to medieval oracle. anachronism place that this podcast yeah. takes place in. You, you know, that thing. That. The grip was usually long enough for one hand and a few additional fingers from your other hand. This was so that if your hand happened to be loose on the grip, you could actually have it uh, slide down uh, and have a little bit more guidance with it with your other hand. Mm-hmm. So you had a little bit more free form with it. So a lot of the movements you would be doing flowed more like water. Okay. Um, Sorry, you said freeform, and my brain just immediately jumped to jazz for your soul, and so that's why I had a a little bit of a moment. <laughs> yes, exactly. the 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 handle was made long just so you could have freeform jazz for your soul. <laughs> it's specific. China knew exactly what they were doing way back in seventh century BC. Sack they solo. knew. They knew that one day. Freeform jazz for your soul <laughs> would be crucial to survival. They were ahead of the trends, you know? Extremely. Now Extremely all of China ahead. knows about freeform jazz. At the end of these unique handles, there were pommels that were also included that, as usual, acted as a balancing element, mm-hmm. but it also allowed your hand to kind of stop. Because, like I mentioned earlier, the handle is kind of meant for you to kind of glide back okay. and forth so the pommel will would allow you to it would allow you to stop so that you wouldn't just like throw the sword and be like oh yes i am so one with the motions goodbye sword you have gone <laughs> through the sky and landed into jerry's head it's the it's Sorry, the ancient jerry. version of the wiimote uh lanyard that you're <laughs> supposed to like tie to your wrist so that you wouldn't like chuck the wiimote into the tv <laughs> exactly so you had a pommel so you wouldn't chuck a sword through somebody's face yeah yeah it's Again, oh, yes. a- again, ahead of their time. <laughs> they just, they knew everything. They really, truly did. <laughs> ahead of their time? I'm sorry. Leave. leave. <laughs> no, I Go can't. Go back to your barrel. I'm the one who has to edit. <laughs> can't leave. We won't have a podcast if I leave. <laughs> this is true. This is, this is true. Maybe you I'll need, just leave. You need me! Maybe I'll just leave then. No, I mean, I could, I could just talk for an hour about bs so <laughs> somehow you'll just get back onto the mcelroy yeah you said mcelroy wrong 
I keep doing it. <laughs> Why? Why does my life hate me? You better get it right. I know, I'm right so by sad that right? I'm just going to get drunk and be like, hello, Mr. McElroy. <laughs> Traditionally, the pommel was formed on the same piece as the blade, so it would be a large single piece, unlike more modern versions, which have the pommel screwed into the b- bottom of it. Okay. Uh, because if we were to break down how a sword today is built, is you have... The blade and then the tang which is normally hidden by like a wooden grip or right. something of the sort um and it would be the tang that the pommel screws into okay so so like even if you have um like those cheap katanas that you get up at any con you can actually take them apart and they have the same build but are you know obviously built much more right they're just Um, crude yeah because it's a 20 dollar sword that you picked up at a convention from some sweaty guy behind a booth right um but so so the pommel is the little like it's the little nub at the at the bottom of the sword yeah it's the it's the little ball okay okay typically typically it's a ball shape Mm -hmm. um it takes on other forms but for this sword in particular it almost was like a rounded ball-like piece okay um and an interesting thing about it was uh, the tassels were attached somewhere, like, either in between, like, before the pommel or actually woven through the pommel. Um, I believe it was the Ming Dynasty. Yes, the Ming Dynasty actually had these tassels woven in through these intricate carvings okay. in the pommel. And the tassels weren't just for show um initially it actually served a purpose it was again a little lanyard so that you wouldn't toss your wii remote um you could you could just like go nuts and then still be able to grab it um but it was also used as a distraction so i mean if you have a bright shiny red tassel thing in your face of course you're gonna be like what is this what's happening right and then it's like a visual it's visually like disorienting yes and then suddenly you have your own red like stuff pouring out of you not exactly interesting because i never i never thought about that i I always thought it was like just a like look this is cool we have we're gonna touch a thing it's like this is gonna sound absolutely terrible. Please forgive me. It's like the little keychains on the keyblades. <laughs> exactly. And and that's bad. And I'm sorry, but that's where my brain immediately went. Traditionally, everybody just wanted keychains to, you know, like it's like oh, it's a little Mickey Mouse. It's a little Mickey Mouse on your sword. It's stylish. It's it's fun. Before Mickey know? Mouse was even a thing. Yeah, well, you know. China, why are you so advanced? <laughs> um, but no, it's actually interesting to, to like, find out that that would have had a tactical reasoning for being there. Besides just like, hey, this is pretty. Because yeah, I, think, and- I think we think of a lot of, like, uh, like, a lot of ornamental things on swords were just for, sh- you know, we all, like, they're just for show. It's just like... 
oh, this is, you know, these carvings or this inlay was just meant to be ceremonial. Um, so it's interesting to see something that was just like, yeah, it, it is for show, but it also serves a purpose. Yes. And what's really kind of bizarre that I, I found that there's actually um, specific styles of martial arts that exist that focus on using the tassel. Yeah. Like, the tassel is a very important part mm-hmm. of uh, the, essentially, your battle strategy. Okay. So, again, it's, like, a very much distraction thing. Uh, with your movements, sometimes it's, you can actually, I'm not sure if this has been proven or not. Um, there was kind of some speculation on it. But some tassels may have been made out of uh, more durable material mm-hmm. and could have been used like a whip oh okay. so you could have went for if you were moving your sword around whipped the tassel into somebody's eyes i guess i could see that being possible yes it does sound a little apocryphal though like it does sounds a little improbable but I, i i can i could see it maybe working yeah i mean it would be like a slim chance of even being able to do that especially since i mean you would have to be super close to their face for one. Right. And then two, that just that I can't imagine that motion being like comfortable. It would have to be a very awkward like motion for your hand. The blade itself is actually broken down into three different sections to be used um, in battle and in your training. The point is reserved for stabbing, slashing, and very preci- precise cutting. Um, the middle of the blade is used both offensively and defensively, mm-hmm. uh, cleaving long drawn cuts and deflecting were their primary uses for this section of the blade, while the base of the blade was strictly used defensively. And some of the swords were actually designed in a way that that bottom part wasn't even, uh, it didn't even have an edge put onto it. It was just this doll piece. Oh, that's... So, so you're talking by the base of the blade. You're not talking the handle. You're talking like the the ba- like the bottom of the blade. Yeah, just before you get to the cross. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it's just above that. So, so I'm just you trying could... to paint this picture in my head. So y- yes, um, because then that way you can kind of like catch a sword, mm-hmm. and you don't like you essentially don't have to worry about maintaining that part of the blade so much right because it's just there like sort of a just in case thing yeah it's there for blocking only so it doesn't matter if it gets dinged up because i mean that's kind of its point is Mm -hmm. to be dinged up because it's trying to protect you right it's like basically a it's sort of like a shield in some respect yeah the tiniest littlest most precise well it's like a pair you know like you're parrying yes (laughs) um that's what i meant Sure, sure it is. Give me a hard time. (laughs) I'll give you the hardest time. A long day. We've both had long days. (laughs) The blade, as well, the blade as a whole has a slight taper in its width, as well as a more drastic taper in thickness. Um, This actually allows it to have a little bit more flexibility towards the tip Mm -hmm. uh, and be much more lightweight, especially later on when. It's more for more used as a form of meditation than it is an actual weapon. Okay, I have a very important question. 
Yes. If you were to take this sword and, like, shake it, would it do the thing that, that happens when you shake a sheet of aluminum and it goes like, blah, 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 blah. No. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. Be- I'm so disappointed because these were now. still these were still treated blades, okay. so it's not like a whoop a whoop effect. Aww. Though the swords this is kind of getting ahead of myself, but the swords that I used in my own Tai Chi experiences did that. But that's because they were meant to be like we're initially talking about like obviously this type of sword developed, but at when its initial formation and the form- the formation that we're talking about it right now, it was a weapon. Like, it was used in battle versus being used in, you know, like, Tai Chi or something like that. Yes. Like, like um, Tai Chi, it's more just, like, the, the, the form and the, you know, to, like, use it for... I, I don't know a lot about Tai Chi, obviously. It's showing... Um, but you're not stabbed, but as much as I know, I'm pretty sure you're not stabbing people in Tai Chi. So. No. So no, the, not... the blades are less, the blades are more performative than they are functional. Pretty much. Modernly. Pretty much, yes. Um, even historically, it was kind of used in that sense. Depending. Mm-hmm. That's why there are different types of these swords. Right, right. So, uh... Because this one is more... The one we're talking about is more so the most used one. Mm -hmm. The one that's about two feet. It was more used for meditation. Um, Some of it was training, but a lot of it was your very, very standard stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of had two purposes. It was sort of a do what you want, we don't care sort of deal. So were they used in battle then? Those ones, mm-hmm. I'm not sure specifically if they were or not. It's then I redact I my previous statement. What about because then it, I because then I was wrong because I initially said that they were, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. I didn't come across that. I think the larger ones were. These were more of a training oh, sort okay. of weapon. But it's very much possible that it was also used in battle as, like, mm-hmm. a secondary weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't something that really came up through my research. Okay. So okay. it's a good question that I should probably look into at some point. And I can let you all know. It's a good question we don't have the answer to right now. Da-na-na-na. Yeah. That was the, the, the more, you, more know. you know star. <laughs> all I can think is the one that you sent me. Don't do it. <laughs> It's the only one I can think of. That's that's also what I am, which is a reference to the the more you know star. So it's it, it's all it's all you know cyclical. So exactly. Um, so getting back on track. Yeah. Though, um, originally these blades were made of bronze uh, because these swords started being created during the Bronze Age. Mm-hmm. So yeah, bronze bronze was the metal of choice. Um, however, as metal technology advanced, uh, it was made from steel. Okay. Then... Because um, we were like, hey, this metal's a lot better and it doesn't get all, like, mooshed up when we use it. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't demoosh. That's mooshed Just... up is a, is a technical term. That, that yeah. That is when bronze is a bad metal. Yes. Specifically bronze. Out. 
bronze yeah, as you bad can, metal. You can't call anything else. You can't refer to anything else getting dinged up as mooshed up unless it's bronze. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. So I have decreed it. And I'm an expert. She's the expert doctor professor I'm some, expert. I'm some dummy with a microphone. Don't listen to me. <laughs> You're fine. When steel became the main material, um, sword makers used a variety of construction for the blades. They had a three-plate style construction, a five-plate style construction, and even oh, an you alloy... Can eat buffet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Who wants this five-course meal? Alloy. <laughs> and an alley process where you went down the dark alleyways that you know you shouldn't go down and your mother said no don't do it because you're gonna get hurt but you go down there anyways because you heard that there was a dude who was handing out free swords they weren't free and there was no candy <laughs> only sadness and dumpsters that cat oh that cat who attacked your face it wasn't fair you just wanted to give it some fish I'm sorry I went somewhere <laughs> I went somewhere and nowhere with that story. <laughs> I literally went somewhere, but also nowhere. I don't know where you went, but it was great. <laughs> so, so I'm sorry for derailing this whole thing. A three-plate process, a five-plate process, and an alloy process. Yes. Got it. The three-plate process, so your standard three-course meal, mm-hmm. had high-carbon steel in the center... And when it was sandwiched between two lower carbon steels. Okay. So, if you all remember from when we were talking about katanas, uh, the high carbon steel is very, very brittle, but also very, very strong. Um, it keeps an edge much easier than a lower carbon steel. Um, so, what happened when they did this was... The high carbon steel kind of protruded out between the two layers of the low carbon. Okay. Which, essentially, the low carbon steel was used to protect the high carbon. So the high carbon would would have been your edge, then? Yes. Okay. And then the low carbon was just there to protect your good, good meat sandwich of steel. Got it. Um, and then... The five-plate system is almost identical to the three-plate, mm-hmm. except you have an appetizer and dessert with it. You have two more, you have two layers of the low-carbon steel on each side. Okay, so just essentially more just making stuff. it heavier. Got it. Um, then there was an alloy process. This involved um, using steels mixed with coppers and like high, like high tin. Co- contents okay um so the center was made from the copper alloyed steel this made it resilient um but also kind of it's weird because copper itself as metal on its own Mm -hmm. is flexible but also it's super soft yeah as a result but it seems when it's alloyed with steel it's actually a lot more resilient. So I, I'm not a chemist. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I would assume it's some chemical that. bond thing. Yes. So that part kind of got me interested with it. And then the edge 
of the sword was actually made out of a tin alloyed steel, which was forge welded into the sword. So it wasn't the same layering process. It was this strange sort of process where you had the copper steel Mm -hmm. and then wrapped around it, you had the tin steel. So it was like essentially hugging the whole thing to make the edge. So what you're telling me is um, you get the whole sword, but you only need the edge. Yeah. I was sitting on that one for a while. Go home. Never come back. <laughs> Roll into your barrel. No. Down to the river. No. The techniques that went with these these blades mm-hmm. and how they were made actually inspired Korean and Japanese forging techniques. Okay. So Japan was heavily influenced by China's methods when they were doing their katana designs. I which... was going to say, I feel like uh, visually... I mean, there are some major differences, but visually, I feel like these straight swords and katanas uh, have some similarities in terms of, like, blade length and and design. I mean, obviously, although it's, you know, especially with katanas, it's very different. Yeah, but the basics of them being a lightweight blade and actually having multiple layers to it, mm-hmm. they, they're they very similar in that regards. Okay. And you can see how uh, this blade inspired katanas and other um, layered weapons yeah. like that. Even today, these swords are actually used for tai chi, as I mentioned before. Um, but today, these blades are actually much thinner. They might actually do the wooba wooba. Again, a technical they, term. <laughs> yes. I mean, the traditional ones didn't do the wooba wooba, but these ones might do the wooba wooba. Right, because they're more, again, they're more performative than they are functional. Yes. Um, and the styles that are used are essentially used for meditation mm-hmm. and more of mental training mm-hmm. than they are physical. Though you can get quite a workout from it. One of these styles is known as the Yang style of Tai Chi. Um, this style focuses on the release of power through slow, steady, flowing movements, contrasted with very sharp, abrupt movements, um, especially when the sword is included. For instance, most of the swords, uh, sword-incorporated movements require a form of balance and focusing on your breathing. Um, but at the same time, you're focusing that energy to some more abrupt motions, which is where your release of power comes in. Okay. And these motions, for example, like, just to name a couple of them, you had the G, Chi, and G in order would be strike, stab, and your block. And throughout my personal experiences, which were kind of strange because it was in 8 o'clock in the morning class (laughs) that I was... Half asleep for most of the time. Most of the time. (laughs) It's always the best time. Eight o'clock in the morning is the best time you should be doing Tai Chi. Exactly. Especially with a sword. Yes. (laughs) In an auditorium. You're very tired. With a bunch of other people. Here's a sharp weapon. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, 
But a lot of the movements focused on balance okay. for the few um, the few different patterns of motions that we went through with the Yang style. It was more so this relaxing focus on your breath, doing this kind of water flow-like movement with your blade mm-hmm. and making it more of an extension of your arm than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of switching back and forth between your hands. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the doing more pacific, specific movements by having your other hand kind of guide it while you're holding it. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to think back to those memories, and it's just like, now nah, you're asleep <laughs> with the sword, flailing around, probably doing 98% of it wrong. But that feels like this is uh, merging itself into your blacksmith's tip of the week. Yes, which the tip of the week is try Tai Chi, especially if you can use a sword. But don't do because... Tai Chi when it's 8 o'clock in the morning and you're very don't. tired. Yeah, don't do that because, I mean, nobody got hurt, per se. But someone could have. Well, okay. So what happened... Christ was somebody was using it and i didn't witness it but i witnessed the aftermath and the dude looked pretty screwed up okay um not not like in a bad way but as in a oh god why did i just do this sort of thing Lizzie, uh, let me explain me someone got stabbed no close but no <sighs> uh there was one motion where you had to have the sword extended out in front of you, but partially over your head, and you were doing, like, this crescent shape with your body. So you were, like, very much leaned forward. And so the guy leaned too far forward. Like, too far. Mm-hmm. He went to be in another land. And proceeded to land on the floor. Basically Luigi'd. Like, you know how, like, Luigi's taunt in Super Mario or yes. Super Smash Bros? Is yes. him, like, doing that, like, boop, and he, like, like falls on the floor and rolls. Yes, just imagine that only with a sword in your hand. With a sword in your hand. That's great. But the dude, when he, when he fell, must have, like, as a reaction, tried to catch himself. Oh, so no. he, like, threw the sword, like, towards his gut and then fell on it. <laughs> and then it... Like, so the handle, like, blew the wind out of him because it went right into his gut. Oh. And then, the, I mean, luckily, oh. these blades that we used were oh. not sharp in any way, shape, or form. And <laughs> the Wubba Dub slapped him in the face. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my. Thank God they weren't sharpened. He would have died. I you would have witnessed. You would have. What, what would have been, like, a funny story of, like, schadenfreude. Would have turned into, hey, so someone just died at my Tai Chi class this morning. <laughs> exactly, because they were half asleep and stretched too oh far. Oh my gosh. They, they luigi too hard. They luigi too hard and died. Yeah. So, so yeah, but, don't, don't do cha- don't do Tai that. Chi when you're tired. <laughs> uh, but, but try Tai Chi, because that sounds like it would be nice. Yes, I'm actually looking for... Uh, some tai chi classes closer to me hey. just because i want to get back into it zag on them and you know that's your it's your zag for this year is getting back into tai chi yeah i mean if not i can always they have fancy pants youtube videos that's true you can learn anything on the internet 
thank you all for listening to this episode of the Audio Armory about Tai Chi or Straight Swords. Um, I would like, or both of us would like to thank uh, D, that's at our loan on Twitter, who suggested this topic to us. If you have a topic suggestion for us, uh, you can tweet at us. Our Twitter is at Audio Armory Cast. Um, you can also email us. That's Audio Armory Cast at gmail.com. You can find us personally on Twitter. I am at Corrupted Gem. Liz is at Liz Belts. That's Liz with two Z's. Um, we're also on iTunes, so you can like rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Um, even just, like, telling a friend about the podcast. You know, we don't do any advertising. We're just kind of doing this for fun. Um, so word of mouth is basically how people find out about this thing that we do. Um, I would like to thank Samantha Hogan, who provided us our intro and outro music. You can find her work at samanthahogan.com or on Twitter, uh, at shogan underscore composer. And I think that's it did i get everything yeah i think you got everything anything anything you have liz mcelroy thanks (laughs) um so until next time uh i have been and always will be your illustrious bard emily cardamus and i will forever and always be your local blacksmith lizbeth and don't throw rocks at birds don't throw rocks at birds and do tai chi in the morning Unless you want to be impaled. I mean, that's your call. Yeah.